live. <laughs> um, so we're going to try this on the um, the StreamYard technology um, because uh, it solves some issues for me. It, it saves me a lot of time. Uh, I think I'm going to have to give up on my dreams of the long intro and outros um, <laughs> because it just takes up too much time for me. I yeah. like it as a product, um, and if I had the resources, I'd be doing that, um, but I don't. Uh, it's just I've already been strained and pulled to my limits, so I'm just kind of backing off some of the frills. Um, but anyway, this is – you guys don't know why I'm talking about this. Uh, this is the Annihilation Cage with Marcus J. Cage and myself, Niall Elkham. Uh, how are you doing, Marcus? I'm doing good, brother. How are you doing, man? I'm, I'm doing better. Um, I was having some uh, some drama in the family. Um, uh, very close uh, to, uh, you know, the heart as it were, um, that was not, I wasn't dealing with very well. Uh, it's one thing to have shitty people around you. It's another thing to have, um, nothing to counterbalance that. Right. So, uh, mm -hmm. I, I resolved those issues and I'm feeling better. Uh, so the live show should be coming back soon. Um, as soon as let's see, this one goes live. So in a couple of days and, um, and I'm looking forward to doing that again. Uh, yesterday, uh, we had on um, uh, David um, Kim, uh, who is the 34th district um, uh, Democrat candidate, uh, been endorsed by Marianne Williamson and um, Andrew Yang. As much as I don't like Andrew Yang, I am uh, I'm happy for him that he got those endorsements because he's a UBI guy. Yeah. So, he, you know, so that's why Yang endorsed him. They're also both Asian. I don't know if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, never know, never know. Sometimes those things come into uh, come into play, whether we want to factor them in or not. Uh, sometimes they do. I mean, to be completely honest, I mean, take take for instance something on on a much smaller scale. Most black people that I know, when they're watching like Family Feud or any of those shows like that, if there's a black family on, they're always rooting for the black family. I'm just gonna be honest. No, I hear you, and it's it's it. Makes sense. You know, um, uh, the fact that he's a gay guy uh, also works for me. I'm happy about that. Um, but yeah, so I can I can pop that on the screen there. There's his Twitter. Um, David Kim, he's got, you know, he's got the orange background. I don't know how I feel about the orange. You know how I am about the orange order. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it looks good for him, right? Um, and he's in the general election. So, like, that's a big deal. Um uh, he did say something about uh, kind of uh, machine politics in L.A. Um, that I don't know if everyone's going to understand exactly what he's talking about uh, because they haven't experienced it. But um, th there is a machine politics in L.A. Uh, that you have to fight against. Um, but, uh, you know, he's Medicare for all, Green New Deal, human centered economy, um, all the pretty much most all the stuff that we like. Right. So and I haven't seen anything I dislike on his front. Uh, I think he used to be a Kenneth Mejia staffer, which was a Green Party candidate. Okay, and okay. I think I think Mejia wasn't going to run again or didn't run again. And so he's like, I got to run. Someone has to run. Right. Otherwise, it's the district is going to have no challenge. And he got to second place out of the five. And um, that means that's a real candidate now, especially with the Marianne Williamson thing and the. Uh, the Andrew Yang thing, you know, I, I have my I have my major issues with Andrew Yang, but I I'm not going to deny that he carries weight um, as far as um, getting things rolling. You know, some early activist well, energy. Definitely, 
Well, definitely. And um, my my point of view, which I guess I've come to, um, especially as I've kind of completely settled on my feelings after the whole um, after the whole Bernie um, dropping out and just kind of how he's handled some of the things which I've kind of disagreed with. We can't throw away um, those people who are fighting for the for us, even when they they um, disappoint us or when they are. You know, when there's different ways where we would have been a lot more forceful on the issues. Um, and anytime we have somebody who we know who is shown to be on our side or to be pliable, to be able to at least um, get our message out there. I mean, we have to take advantage of it where we can get it. You know, because... I mean, at worst, the squad and Bernie, if there was a huge public movement in the streets, would be the first ones to be like, yeah, here's your policies. Go ahead. Yeah. Here you go. And, like that's, and that's how I look possible, at it. Worst possible interpretation. And those people are, and that's perfectly fine um, because we always knew we have to get a lot more people in, in office, right, to mm -hmm. make that shit happen. Um, so that just means they're there. We support them. Supporting them and opposing everybody else in the Democratic Party, you know, the handful, that's not a sheepdogging thing. That doesn't help the Democratic Party. Nobody can accuse you of being like a sheepherder or a stand because you're not helping them. You're still super opposing the Democratic Party and, mm -hmm. and, and working towards its destruction, right? Because, I mean, you're, you're against 95%, 98% of the party. Like, that's a really stupid argument, like, to be able to say, like, uh, yeah, but you're still supporting Bernie and the, and the squad. Therefore, um, you know, you, you still haven't figured it out or something. Like, it's, it just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of an absolutist black and white mentality. That doesn't um, doesn't work for me, um, you know. Not not to not to beat into the ground too much. The uh, the black and white, <laughs> uh, wherever that phrase comes from, mm -hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure that's that's that has a racial background. Right? I should probably look. Oh, I wonder where the background like of the phrase black and white comes from. Actually, and it, it and it's funny because you say black and white, and it reminds me of. Um, I've been looking at a lot of uh, commentary, which has been, well, not commentary, but speeches, debates, uh, interviews that have been in black and white and been kind of in a little bit of a militant uh, mindset um, lately, listening to um, some Malcolm X speeches, um, some late, late Martin Luther King towards the end, um, listening to more recently, um, I, I heard a really good interview actually on The Breakfast Club, which uh, Charlemagne the God actually did a really good job um, in that interview, asking questions. And I wish he, he would be a little bit more reticent to jump in um, when questioning people like Biden. But that interview was amazing talking about how I feel. I mean, if, if you want to understand politics from the black lens, from like it's beginnings in America and how policy has been set up. Dr. Claude Anderson, I mean, it's an amazing person to to uh, read some of his books or, you know, listen to his, uh, listen to uh, some of his interviews. Amazing. Yeah, well, the, I didn't watch the whole thing, but the clips I saw, um, it didn't look like uh, Charlemagne was very happy with Biden. Um, and uh, he, he, yeah, afterward. I, I watched the whole, I watched the whole interview and I've watched it a couple of times because um, I want to 
I don't want for all the attention to be focused only on that last probably 30 seconds, which everybody's been focusing on. Um, there was a lot of things said in that interview and a lot of lies told in that interview. And it, Charlemagne, the reason why I say I wish he would have been more reticent to jump in is Biden pretty much did a lot of stump speech um, and a lot of platitudes. And when he would ask him a question, every response came across aggressive to me. Um, every response came across a little patronizing, like almost like, why are you even asking me this question? Um, and he, he just, I mean, there was, I'll have to go back and time it, but it's almost like 10 minutes. He just talks nonstop. A he lot asked him of one question. Nonsense. Just, it doesn't make any sense. You know? And then he's like, come on, man. Come on, man. It was, it was a lot of that in there. It was a <laughs> lot of come on, man. And it, what what do you say? Get a life in there. Yeah, he I'm a great like, civil rights leader. Don't you know that? Come on, man. Well, he started talking. <laughs> he started bringing up that how he reauthorized the voting Voting Rights Act, and I'm like, as a Democrat, that's a bare minimum. I mean, you're bragging about that, and then he spent most of the time, in my opinion, if I had to sum it up to a main thing, is it was mostly name dropping black leadership. Um. And touting his credentials and saying, my record is great. Trust me, look at my record, but really don't don't talk about my record. And it was good. I mean, he lied about money to states. He lied about uh, that he wasn't for three strikes laws. I mean, he lied about, oh, goodness, man. He lied about so many things and just, just nonstop. And I don't think Charlemagne is as familiar with his record as most of us are to be able to catch him on some of those things right in, right in the moment. So I feel that this is, this is kind of going to be one of those, like, like a landmine that mm. everybody thinks is a dud. Everybody focused on this one part. It's going to be like the corn pop. Remember everybody talked about the one part of the corn pop story. And then like six months later, then we heard the other part about, the kids rubbing up and down his hairy legs and roaches and all that other stuff. I think it's going to be the same kind of situation because if they keep him as the nominee, definitely the Trump campaign, though I'm not saying Trump is smart. I'm saying Trump campaign, his people, as far as how they run strategy. Oh, they're, they're going to be able to pick that apart and they're going to be able to have Biden on camera saying one thing and completely going the opposite direction. Right. Like, he talked about rehabilitation, like, oh, we should be in favor of rehabilitation and, and giving them, um, what was it, uh, housing, um, health care, all these things right out, right as soon as they get out of uh, jail, Pell Grants, well, all kind of stuff, yeah, which so, yeah, he was Trump completely already, against before. Trump already got Cuomo in New York saying um, uh, that the federal government would pay for like hotel rooms for homeless people. And Cuomo oh, yeah. and, and the local governments are like fighting back and saying, no, those aren't appropriate places for homeless people because those are nice. <laughs> yeah, hotel only, only the street is. Yeah, only or, or big crowded shelter with like, um, you know, rules about, uh, you know, they, they have to be able to search your bags when you come in and out and all that shit. Um, mm -hmm. 
let's see. Um, so the black and white thing uh, that I found really quick was its first use dates back to the 18th century. I would have thought it would go back further, but the 18th century civil war in America, both blacks and whites used to consider them as correct. And there was a deadlock on every minor to major issue. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like it's, so basically what he's saying is basically blacks are on one side of an issue and whites are on another side of each issue, right? Um, probably to do with like reconstruction and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so like, um, you know, <laughs> obviously the, the, the racists wanted it to go back and the, the blacks uh, in, in the South did not want it to go back to the way it was, right? Which reconstruction, that, that little blip of about 10 years uh, <laughs> where they every everything they gave out as far as like the 40 acres and a mule and the hundred dollars and um i think it was like a couple of other small things which they might have given in in different locales but um they went and literally took it back from all of those people which they gave it to before who they could track down and yeah. basically said as a slave uh you're a freed slave, but you still don't have any rights. You still don't have any rights to property. So basically your only options are go find somebody to work for and hope that he will pay you somewhat decent or be a criminal, basically, or just go somewhere and die. Yeah, I like this uh, tweet from Ice Cube. Um, Hold the black vote hostage until one of them comes with a black agenda that we're satisfied with. It's not our job to fix the country's mess until we fix our mess. Fuck you, pay me. Um, so we had Charlemagne the God on AM Joy with Joy Reid, who we don't like or I don't like very much. No. I don't think either of us do. Um, no. Says, it has come to a point where we stop putting the burden on black voters to show up for Democrats and start putting the burden on Democrats to show up for black voters and um i'm not going to play it because we'll get um copyright yeah. struck but Which i uh, tweeted it out earlier on my on my page yeah but uh he says um uh basically a uh joy says uh uh there's a there's a perception or a feeling that maybe the democrats are taking the black vote for granted and like we're just going to give them our vote and they don't have to do anything for us to get that vote and you, you know asks charlemagne how he feels about that if he and he says, yeah, that, that's not a feeling. That's the truth. That's just the way it is, right? Um, well, yeah, and, and the only problem that I, this one nagging feeling that I have in the back of my mind, and this could be complete, uh, you know, complete tenfold theory. You know, we're in a gray hat, so it's close enough to a tenfold. Um, part of me just doesn't, just don't feel that Charlemagne is being 100% with us right now. I feel like the whole, because I don't trust Joy in anyway, especially that now she can talk nice about Bernie and say that he was right about a lot of things now and he's out of the race, which she's a college educated woman. She's very bright. She knows that he was right. She knew he was right the whole time, but she is paid to do a certain job. And I think right now her interest is personally, she wants to see a black vice presidential pick out of yeah, vice. The and thing. that's what i think yeah. charlemagne is doing they're all they're acting like oh we want to get something for black people but all right. you really want is a vice presidential pick because if you get that watch how fast all of them won't care about any other black agenda right so what they need is enough of a concession from the democrats that they can like hold up as the reason why they're going to stand so heavily for 
Joe Biden in the general election. It's like, look, we got this VP. So it's going to be a historic moment for black people. You know, we're going to have a black female VP. So let's all vote for him. I know it sucks and yada, yada, yada. And they'll give you, you know, some concession to that, but they'll stand and tell you you have to do that. But right now they can't do that very effectively because like people are going to listen to them and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? They're not giving us anything, right? Mm -hmm. And so they need a little bit. They need a little hint of something, you know, they, they need a blackwash, you know, mm -hmm. on, on Biden's campaign. Well, uh, I'm hoping that, you know, some of those people like, uh, uh, Claude Anderson, uh, Claude Anderson will start breaking through to some of these people more and more. Um, I really, really suggest anybody, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, just, just look up a couple of quick videos. Um, power. I felt, I, yeah. I, I look at, um, for, for black people in America, they, like we talked about this, uh, I believe, um, maybe last week or week before, um, I look at how the power dynamic in the Democratic Party shifts is uh, by the voters is with older black voters. And the problem is the king, I guess the king mystique, you know, not the actual ending message where he had evolved to. Uh, they've celebrated the I have a dream part of Martin Luther King. And, you know, the judge all, all you know, judges each by, you know, contents of our character. They didn't want to focus on the economic part. Now, towards the end, before he was assassinated, he was saying, you know, things like he felt moderates were Negro's biggest, you know, stumbling block as far as uh, progress, because they're perfectly fine with patting you on the back and saying, oh, we understand. But when it comes to actually wanting to do something for you, they drop the ball. And he even said that um, he felt like he was leading black people in to almost like a burning building, running them into the Democratic Party, because the Democratic Party is just going to, you know, give voice to what you want. But you know, there's no tangibles. Yeah. So here's um, uh, Claude Anderson, Dr. Claude Anderson, um, this tweet uh, by a Kenta Guanjez says, you need to build your own businesses and hire your own children. It's absolutely criminal to keep having babies and then sending them into somebody else's neighborhood to beg for a job. And uh, Dr. Claude Anderson, and I guess this would be part of his powernomics, you need to build power within your own community. I agree to a certain extent. Um, it depends on the context, obviously. Um, now, white people have been doing this forever, right? And, and uh, that's, their own and that's his... Yeah. And that's his point of view. He's not saying that it should be something anti against any other any other race. He's saying that if you look at um, the early immigration, um, when when, you know, you had the first Europeans coming into the country as they came into the country, they were given certain things and properties and all this. And they concentrated down within their family because in that time we were all isolated in those kind of ways. So we were against our. We were with our own, I guess, social, you know, you know, racial groups. We were, you know, more segregated. You know, the Irish were here, the Italians were there, you know, and so on and so on. And they were able, because of isolated like that, be able to pass down wealth and pass down wealth and pass down wealth. Whereas a lot of the racism through, you know, structural racism, which helped 
you know, uh, attack a lot of the black communities. Because if you go back to the from the 30s all the way up until like the 60s, in every major city, you had a whole black area where there were black owned banks, there were um, black movie theaters, black cab companies. But I mean, it, it was like a whole nother town instead of the rundown versions that you see now in most major major cities. And that wasn't by accident. That was by, you know, certain policies that were put into place. And at that time, I felt a lot of uh, black people were complacent on the economic side because they were worried so much justifiably about trying to have, you know, equality and inclusion. And that's important, but you have to work on the economic side at the same time. And all, all he's saying is that in our neighborhoods, I mean, think about it, it's still now, most neighborhoods are kind of segregated off. All he's saying is that in your neighborhood, if you have a corner store and that's a local, say, Black-owned business, try to, you know, do business there before you decide, well, I'm going to go all the way across town. Start building up the local, you know, things in your community because it brings wealth and value into your community. And then you're able to put in banks and this and that. And, and so it's not about saying, well, we're not going to do business with anybody else. But if you're able to build up in your own community, then you can do business with other communities and have some actual bargaining power instead of always being the one who has to go and look for a job somewhere else, go purchase something somewhere else. Because, I mean, I grew up in one of those communities where we wanted to go to the mall after our major mall shut down. We had to go into the predominantly white area. If you want to go for a job, you had to go for, to the predominantly white area. So most of your money is being spent in the area you're not living in. So your community is never getting built up. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, in a perfect world, it would not be necessary because um, there wouldn't be the kind of inequality and there wouldn't be the kind of um, bias and discrimination and kind of um, tribalism from the top down because there is a top down tribalism right uh yeah. where those that are the tribes you know that are advantaged in our society um use their leverage within uh having positions within corporate america um these are huge institutions uh, and if you have power within those institutions that that power can be given you know to your family your family gives it back and it goes back and forth but you leave out people from other tribes basically Every once in a while, you let one in that's kind of exceptional, um, but you never really give them any of the keys to the castle. Um, you know, they're not going to be able to use that really to help their own. Um, so I, you know, and I always say to people like, you know, consider the idea that maybe you and your family um, or you and your friends uh, get together, start a business. And even if you are all working part time at the business at first, because, you know, you've got that you don't have the investment money and you need to work other jobs. Eventually that can become a huge source of wealth for you and your family. And whatever happens with it, as far as growth goes, you can keep that. You don't have, that's not going to go to some corporation selling yourself to other people's businesses. Um, it's never going to work out in the long run. If that is the primary way in which your family is making money, right? Mm -hmm. um, unless those selling yourself to those other institutions, those institutions are run by people from your tribe that will um, kind of give you some of the benefits. Now, I think a lot of white people don't understand that they're, they're not, they're, 
there's some arrangement with like middle class and poor whites, but you're not really part of the tribe uh, at the high end. You're you're really yeah. not. Um, uh, well, the it, high well the high end. None of nobody's in the tribe. Only you know that elite are at the tribe. Right. At that the point. wealthy, the very very wealthy. Yeah. Um, so you can work your whole life at a corporation, and they'll drop you tomorrow yeah. um, uh, if they can move your job somewhere else. But if you're in the tribe at the very top, um, and you've got family members in the boards of corporations, then uh, you can waste that company. You can lose money for that company year over year, and you'll you'll just keep getting promoted. <laughs> that goes that that nails exactly one of the points he said. Now um, that he said when I read it in one of his books, and I got it you know, look it up to see how accurate exactly it is. He said, but 80%, 87% of the wealth is already locked up in that, you know, in those top areas, there's no way to get that. So the rest of us are all trying to basically compete for the last 13% of that wealth. Mm. Yep, and absolutely. that's where, you know, that's kind of where we, we are. And if you take that, you know, the black community has, 10 cents on the dollar to, you know, the average white family, and it's only getting worse. Um, at some point, you have to try to figure out, okay, well, what are we going to do to try to send this back the other direction? And what I argue is that um, just like Biden laid out his cards right there, you know, saying that, well, you ain't black if you're not going to vote for me. Well, I feel that Black Democrats, Black conservatives, everybody of all different shape need to actually come together with a what are what is an actual what is what is something that as a whole most Blacks who are politically engaged all agree on policy wise, and then you you leave it up to either the Green Party, Libertarian, Democrats, Republicans to actually start to court that vote. Then you're actually giving them something where they could say, oh, this is exactly what they want and this is undeniable because it seems like they're too stupid to just ask us, but you know. Yeah, you know. no, and, and on this like, and I don't like to give too much like just like individualistic advice because I can kind of consider it like, um, I'm gonna save myself advice, right? Which, you know, like, it's good, like, if I'm talking to an individual, I'll give that advice. But on, like, a show, I don't necessarily push that that much because it's, it, it doesn't help, help us as a whole. Although this kind sort of does, but well, it does I'll, lead down kind I of believe it. Yeah. I believe it does in, 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 in ways which a lot of people um, don't. I think because they don't uh, – I don't know how to say that best way. I'll just say it straight out. Um, I – feel that if those communities and that are struggling the most that are the most you know in need are able to actually you know like everybody say pull themselves up by the bootstraps and then they're able to be more of a contribution you know in the community and i feel like as those communities are able to build wealth they're able to to spend more wealth and you know business works as in you know if I have something, you have something, I buy from you, you buy from me, and, and so on, so on. And now we're actually an actual trading partner instead of just a consumer. Right. I know a guy um, that works in construction and um, 
sometimes I've been a little put off by a couple of things he said, but what he does is he, he buys um, rental property in like South central and stuff where he lives and he fixes it up and rents it out. Um, now uh, I don't know how like um, generous a human being he is, uh, but you know, he's clearly not a rich guy, right? He, he like, he, you know, he was, he's a military guy. He's a vet. Um, and he's done some work for us and, uh, he's trying to make something and he's building up, you know, stuff in his own community. Um, like I, like I said, I don't know how much of that he's sharing, but again, like I think people, um, in, in places like that, you, what you ideally would do is you would spend time trying to find another group of people. Um, the best is, for, uh, is family because family have ties, that just uh, are harder to, to break and dissolve, right? Um, so you're a little more like willing to weather the storm together instead of just be fair weather um, uh, partners, right? Mm -hmm. um, although, but it can be hard. I mean, that can be a bad thing for families too. I mean, you know, uh, people, there's a reason people don't like to go into business with family, but yeah. but I think people are not placing enough weight and value upon the benefits of of doing business with family. And so I think there's a kind of a mis-messaging that's been given to people to kind of prevent them from that kind of that, that upward ladder that can be created by that. But you get your large family together, all stop renting, all buy one uh, house, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you all live in it. Uh, or you could pool your money and buy like a multi-unit, buy something that has yeah. like four units, six units in a really rundown area. Maybe it only costs you, fifty thousand dollars a unit or something right um uh maybe it maybe it costs a hundred thousand i don't know but yeah. whatever it is for that area you live in it you pay it off and then you rent it out and you get the benefits of that together right as a family mm -hmm. and then you do it to the next one and the next one so you cut your costs because you're not renting from someone else anymore you're owning your own places and you start to do that and then the people you rent to from your own community so you do this within your own community um you you be a good landlord. You fix things when they're broken and mm -hmm. you don't raise the rents really high, right? Uh, you try to be a little more understanding of um, issues people have, um, you know, uh, with their credit and other things. You know, you, you kind of like find a way to balance things out between like applicants, right? Because some mm -hmm. people have great credit, but they're still douchebags and um, yeah. their credit's higher than it really should be because they mm -hmm. know the system. Um, and then other people's credit's really bad, oftentimes for no fault of their own. And again, because of just discrimination over their lifetime. So that's kind of like the way I would go. And then um, uh, another way to go is to start up um, all the things you would need to save money in construction. So um, you, you start a, a remodeling, a repair, a cleaning company, um, and you do that in the off time. So like when you have people coming in and out, you can, re you can remodel on your own, right? You save a bunch of money doing that. And then when you're sitting on that property and waiting until you can afford to rent some of it out or whatever, you can be um, contracting out to do for other people, right? And you build up that money and you go on to the next thing. So, I mean, there's a lot of different businesses people could do, but that one, like real estate, I think has a lot of the most opportunity. And it's also one of the sources, like you want to displace people like me <laughs> that are buying in your community, not necessarily people like me exactly, but worse people than yeah. me. people that look like me, right. Buying in minority neighborhoods and renting out. Right. Um, and get control of that. And then, you know, uh, I think you make, you make 
the place is nice. You put a new paint job on the on the structures. You make sure things aren't falling apart. And uh, slowly, the uh, the average income and value of that property will go up um, yeah. as more people do it. And you work with other families and say, hey, we're doing this. You do this. We kind of set a local standard. We're all going to buy in this area. And as we all kind of have these standards for quality, um, uh, things that don't necessarily cost a ton of money and we do it, all mm -hmm. of our real estate values will go up. Right. Yeah. And we'll get that group. And, 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 and those are the kind of things that are, that's the kind of things that I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about as in you need to look at, you know, your whichever, you know, tribe or culture or race that you belong to. I'm not saying that you should look at the other as an enemy or that you are like competing in some kind of negative way. It's just like, for instance, if you run into uh somebody who's looking for what you need and they just happen to be, you know, somebody you think, you know what, that's a young minority just like myself who's in, you know, they might need a boost, you know, maybe keep that in the back of your mind a little bit sometimes instead of just, oh, well, I'll just grab whatever, you know. Um, I'm not saying that you should only do business with, you know, like as a black person, you should be like, I'm only doing business with black people and I don't want to ever deal with white people well, again. They're yeah, all the devil. And I don't, I don't, I'm not saying go yeah, to and, that extreme at yeah. all. I'm just saying, just like, just like exactly like you were talking about now, it's about changing some of the mindsets. And I don't mean mindsets as in like um, not being educated. It's just a different way of looking at things. Um, speaking for myself, and I won't speak for, for all black people, but I know a good percentage of black people they're used to their elders normally telling them what you do is you go out there, you find you a good job, you work really hard to work your way up, um, uh, and then you look for opportunities to move your way up throughout the, the company. Most of the time, you're not told or encouraged to, hey, if you have this idea, why don't you try to do it on your own? You're always more encouraged to go out and work for somebody else. Well, I think also some of that is for practical reasons, right? Because if you really try to do it on your own, um, this economy is not set up to reward that. Um, most of the time you're going to fail. And if you're, if you don't have a lot of um, backup economically in your family, and then you have the added problems of being a minority that's discriminated against quite a bit, um, you could only, you could, maybe only fail that one time and that's it. And now you're well, fine. Well, the one thing uh, that I, the one thing which I feel a lot of minorities um, that they don't factor in is if they actually get out there and they take that chance, um, how many other, you know, black people might say, you know what, I want to try to support them to help keep them going. I mean, I've seen that also. And Oh no! It's, Sometimes it's you just have to. I feel like to happen. Yeah, I feel like the mindset more so is go and work for somebody. Never start your own, build your own thing. And right. I'm not saying that everybody can necessarily go out and build their own thing, and that's the way. Maybe they do need to go work for somebody and learn a trade and learn some skills, and then they can branch off into their own thing. Or maybe they rise up and take over that organization. But the mindset I feel in the black community for a long time is more of worker 
instead of manager or supervisor or owner. You know? Yeah, no, it's a it's a hard thing to get past. And when things don't feel possible, they don't they're not in the things you consider doing right. So, um, I th yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of push. Um, I do think the kind of uh, unrealized opportunity is the group thing that nobody seems to really consider. I see a lot of individuals try things and, and uh, most of them fail. Um, but if you could get the local community to help you out. Uh, again, that's going to be based a bit upon like your your ability to um, have a good relationship with the community, right? <laughs> no matter who yeah, you are, that, or what that makes a difference are. always. Yeah, um, All, so you you can't be a dickhead no matter which race you are. So, right. and uh, you know what you do, oftentimes, like me, you know, it depends on what you're trying to do, right? Like everyone mm -hmm. wants to be an actor or a musician or an artist or whatever, right? And those are areas you're probably not going to get as much support. But um, if you try to do, if you do something kind of that, you know, rubber meets the road uh, that uh, a lot of people have demand for uh, it being done, that's probably a little more practical, a little, a little easier to, um, to get people to understand uh, has uh, a good chance of succeeding. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's, I think that, that might be, that may be a little bit more coastal. I mean, like where I was growing up in the Midwest, um, acting and you know uh jobs in the entertainment industry not as many people are thinking that uh, first and foremost um a lot more people there because it, it's more of a manufacturing town especially before you know napa and a lot of those things really wrecked some of the industries but um it's a lot more very blue collar and so a lot of people there are perfectly fine with setting up say a sports memorabilia store or you know opening up a restaurant or you know maybe trying to do like a veterinarian uh, practice you know things are a lot more you know more simple and a lot of their dreams a lot of people i know it's they are a little bit more um i guess more down to earth more humble but there are a lot of roadblocks and if you have a lot of mental blocks already uh, telling you that you can't make it there that's always going to hurt you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously we're continuing on this, this train of things. Oh, um, I don't know. Did you see, um, huh, where did this, why is this unavailable? Okay. Um, I don't know if you saw this Jimmy Dore thing. No, Again, no, no. Gonna... <laughs> did you, did you see it or not? No, I didn't see it. Okay. So again, I can't play it, but, Basically, Jimmy Dore is on Useful Idiots, the Rolling Stone show with Matt Taibbi and um, uh, Katie Halper. Katie Halper. Katie Halper. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I happened to get this on autoplay uh, yesterday and I listened to it until Jimmy Dore came on. Then I turned it off because I didn't <laughs> want to listen to Jimmy Dore. Um, but apparently he um, so I listened to this clip and basically Jimmy's saying that um, uh, the. Um, the coronavirus deaths might be overblown. And if the mortality is hmm. under 1%, if the mortality is under 1%, then we're overreacting, right? Because hmm. um, 1%, right, under 1%, um, 3 million people is... Wow. Yeah, right. So, um, I mean, you can listen to it um, when you get a chance. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, let me see, I'll, I'll, I'll DM it to you. 
and you can okay. listen to it later. Um, but um, but yeah, so Jimmy just kind of continuing to not disappoint in um, his tendency to disappoint me. So, wow. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't I don't know what to say on, on that one. I mean, some things I can kind of see Jimmy's point. I mean, even though I'm not necessarily with the approach. I mean, but, he said, he said uh, we need more the, data, the, but yeah. I, I see. Well, I know the numbers. I know the numbers are off. We both know the numbers are off. But where I lean on this is normally when it's something that's bad that everybody knows about, the government normally lies under, not over. They normally yeah. don't over exaggerate it. They normally, you know, downplay it. And then it just continuously spirals out of control. It's the, now, it's the fascists around the world that are trying to downplay this. It's Bolsonaro. Yeah, yeah. Right? It, it's uh, it's Trump. You know, it's um, it's uh, uh, Bozo, uh, the clown, and uh, the UK. Uh, yeah, in the UK, yeah. <laughs> Boris. I mean, yeah. It's 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 all those types of people who they think that well, it's even if it does, the numbers go up it'll be spread out enough that most people won't be able to really notice a change. And if we stop talking about it, it won't be an issue. And they think, Oh, well, once the economy gets going, then everything will be, you know, all, all fine and dandy. And the thing which they don't get is once they really left this open and I'm looking at just how I've watched people just here locally, I, I, I this thing is going to blow up. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's, it's going to, I mean, uh, Dr. Fauci before, what was that? Four or five months ago, he said that, um, what was it? A hundred thousand to 250,000 was the numbers that he was expecting. And mm -hmm. it's everything is. And that was, if we don't reopen, and we're right on track on those numbers, which he was saying. So that means that definitely expect to see, you know, that number probably double at least, you know, death count. So I, I think you will see once it's once it hits a million dead, you're not going to be able to just downplay it anymore. Yeah, I and, mean, that, that number becomes much more real to people. We're a day away from a from 100,000. So this is the um, the coronavirus uh, world meter and uh, this is the US so 99.3 uh, 99,300 people dead um 451,000 recovered which means uh, uh we have over a million active cases still that mm -hmm. have not had a resolution of either dead or recovered and that's only the ones we know about and uh, again there's a oh there's, can, there's can you scroll can around. you scroll down to that one i was going to say can you scroll down to that one part um uh on the bottom, it's one interesting thing which nobody likes to talk about when they bring this up. The, about this yeah, the closed cases. Um, the closed cases, it's not very many closed cases. So, and and I think, what is that? Uh, 500, 551,000. Right. Um, that's one, not a lot of closed cases. That's um, That means there's 1,135,000 still open. Mm -hmm. That they so have no clue which way that's going to go. Yeah, it's two thirds still open. Um, we've got the different states, and 
total deaths is highest in New York, obviously, 29,000, then New Jersey, then Massachusetts, I think. Is that right? Yeah, Massachusetts, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Illinois, California. Obviously, we have a huge population, so there's that. Um, but the other thing, um, so this tests number we're seeing here, right, this tests per million, this total tests number, this number may be bullshit. Okay. Well, if you, I mean, I know that um, I've been following that one too, uh, pretty, pretty regularly, that one and two or three other ones. And one thing I've noticed is like almost every week, there's a new asterisk at the top for some state where either the half the counties have not reported uh, the results are delayed, um, that they're still accumulating um, accurate numbers. So there's a lot of when I start going through those asterisks, there's normally like four or five states every week where there's a new asterisk for something that's changed or something that's going on or delaying the numbers. So um, it's still very hard to figure out what's going on there. Well, yeah, the other problem is um, it. So in the UK, um, I don't know if I have the, uh, if I have it bookmarked anywhere, like I can find it close, probably not. But um, in the UK, they have um, data that shows that in the past couple of months, while they have increased the number of tests, they have not increased the number of people being tested. So they're testing the same people more. Ah, here it is. Here it is. Okay. I'll show you this one. Uh, I have to go back to Twitter here real quick. Um, so this, is, this one changes the kind of napkin math that you do about what's going on, right? Obviously, we know a lot. There's all kinds of problems with the numbers all together, but mm -hmm. but this one, um, this shows this shows something uh, kind of disturbing about what our assumptions have been about the the data. So this is in the UK, and if we know anything about the UK, we know it's a, very similar to the US. So look at the number of tests kind of going all over the place. The yellow is the number of tests. Mm -hmm. The red is the number of people being tested. Now, <laughs> what do we notice here? The number of people being tested stays about the same. The number of tests spikes up and down, right? Because they're testing the same people more times, right? Oh, so, wow. like, if you got infected, now instead of testing you three times, now they're testing you seven times before they release you. So now they're reporting that as seven tests, even though it's one wow. person. So you understand how that fucks up the math so hard in your head, right? So they never, this is April, and this is from um, the 30th of April. This is just the 15 days. I'd like to see over the last few months more. But they could say, oh, we increased testing. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean what people think it means, right? Wow. I, did, I didn't know that, actually. That's, that's, that's a little disturbing because <laughs> it's almost like in the, in, the, in, the, in the military, well, Navy in particular, we call that gun decking. And gun decking is when you're like lying that you did the work, but you really didn't do the work. And that's kind of what that's like. Yeah, we're testing. Yeah, you're testing people. You're just testing the same old people over and over. Right. I and mean, so a positive test only counts once. So if you test the same person 10 times and you come up with a positive test 10 times, that's one positive, but it's 10 tests. So then you have a 10% infection rate. If you mm -hmm. right, if you look at the graphs, that will be your conclusion in your head, right? 
So well, totally that, that makes fucks the math. that makes perfect sense why it, the number is one point six, you know, infected, and there's only like what was it five hundred and fifty thousand closed cases because you're only focusing on a handful of people. Yeah. yeah. Wow, so, that's that's disturbing. <laughs> right. So, um, so there's problems there. There's problems there. Uh, so people. People are all kind of thinking of this and people are smart, but when they make assumptions about the data that are, and those assumptions are kind of given to them by people inferring that that's what the data represents, right? So when the media is out there and they're presenting this and they're not giving you the proper context, the real meaning, the actual definition of the data, that they're intentionally misleading you. And the way that that points toward is that we have more knowledge than we have, right? Um, and that uh, we're so we're capturing what's going on more so than we are, um, and that's that's a that's a scary thing. Um, right now, everybody's opening up. Um, uh, what was that that pool party thing we just saw? That's fucking oh, yeah. crazy. Um, it's not a pool party, but like just a bar. It's just a bar that has a pool. I think it's in Florida or something, right? Let me that see makes here. Sense. Um, this is nine seconds. I could play this is in the Ozarks. Uh, so a little bit of, uh, oh, yeah. Missouri. A, little, <laughs> a little bit, uh, you know, topical since there's that show now. Um, but these are fucking, you know, and you know, do you notice anything about these people? <laughs> of course. I know the Ozarks. I'm very familiar. I don't, I, I see a very, this, this is very monochromatic. I don't know if mm -hmm. only people are allowed to go to this bar. But it's just it's just how Missouri is set up. Once you get outside of the cities, I mean, if you take Kansas City and you take St. Louis out of Missouri, and the same thing with Kansas also, you take Kansas City out of there and Wichita out and like Topeka out, those that whole giant stretch that would be like I don't know how many hours to drive, like twelve hours to drive, would be like 99% white. I mean, yeah. it, it's very, very white state, except for, you know, that once you get into the cities, which surprises a lot of people, Kansas City, when I was growing up, was somewhere around like 35% black population and probably about maybe, I want to say about 17 or 15, I'll say 15 to 20% um, Latino population, probably about maybe. Mm, I'll say about 10% uh, Native American and probably about maybe another 5% Asian uh, descent. And then the rest was white in, within the city. So I've made this point. This is kind of a perfect storm um, for a huge upswell of racism in America. If you notice the people that are like, we need to open up and doing these protests, they're all white people, right? Mm -hmm. But they're also the white people that are from the same demographic of people that were most likely to say, we have to shut down flights from China and we have to shut down. And earlier than that, before COVID, these are the people that said we had to shut down the border with Mexico because Mexicans are bringing in um, diseases to America, right? Like, yeah. um, uh, what's the fucking lung disease that... Uh, the guy in uh, Tombstone had um, tuberculosis. Uh, tuberculosis, <laughs> and uh, and the other one, the leprosy. Leprosy is new or mm. coming back. So you know. Oh, wow. So yeah, we're, we're back in biblical times. But they're most likely the most likely people to say those two things. Why? Because those are minority racial groups 
that can be targeted, right? So you're going to see people in these social settings, white people, and they're going to start having eyes on people that are darker than themselves saying, well, we're safe as long as we're just around white people. But now that that darker skinned person isn't just somebody that I have some kind of negative stereotypes about, right? But it's also someone who I think has a much higher chance of being infected, right? And you can see oh, okay. how that will turn in people's brains. Well, we'll see, and, the, and that's the reason why I think that's so dangerous. It, it, it's easy to think that it's going to stay quarantined off with those people. But what you don't realize in some of those parties is some of those white people who are all there have friends of other different nationalities, are going to go to stores with people of other nationalities um, who might be infected. And and how do you and think that's going to work? How do you, and how, how do you, do you know? Yeah. And my thing is, how do they know none of those people there? None of them were right. infected. They very well, at least one could be infected and spread it all to everyone else. Right. And, how do you think that's going to work out in communities that are already on that, that border of extreme racism, right? When now you're looking at your white friends and saying, why are you hanging out with that person? What, why, what, right? You start saying, oh, you know, she's married to somebody that's not white, right? She's married to that Mexican guy. She's she's married to that black guy, right? So maybe we shouldn't hang out with her, right? Now you well, get that, now you well, get that anti-racial mixing thing and that that disciplining of the white community of we're only going to hang out with whites that only hang out with whites, right? And well, it, see it, that it, thing. I feel like that already started though. Um, the but moment that make you it so much worse. This is going to make well, it. Well, worse. I feel like I feel like the moment that you had the split apart. You know, not directly after the election it started, but as the election went more, more and more. Because I knew Republicans who they voted for Trump, and they were like, "Well, this isn't quite what I signed up for." You know, I didn't think it was going to be like this, and I'm like, "I told you what he was going to do," and they're like, "Well, but I, you know, I had Hillary, but I'm like, see, I told you not to vote for Trump." And those people who dug more in during that time period, they had already start cutting the ties. I remember being in Florida and a lot of the dating sites, even at that time, like a couple of years back, what, like three, four years ago, they were, if you're, if you're a Trump supporter, I don't want nothing to do with you. If you don't support Trump, I don't want to talk to you. And like my Facebook, like I went from probably having maybe about 4,000, 4,500 people on Facebook to down to like probably 1,200 people because of how many Trump people I know who were just like, yeah, I'm not talking to him anymore. Right. And I think that's important too. Like, um, you know, that I'm pretty strict, like on certain things, like people that, that I follow and interact with on social media. It's like, uh, far far less than that causes me to cut people off. But like within family, friends, and neighbors, I'm the opposite. Like those people, um, you should never cancel your family, friends, and neighbors. You should always mm -hmm. keep them close and have – that's my opinion, right? You should, you should never let these divisions um, get to the point where you're no longer congenial with one another, right, where you're never no longer going to support each other, where you're not going to help each other out if somebody needs a hand, like, hey, we need to get this couch moved downstairs. Don't be that asshole that's like, oh, I'm not going to fucking help them. They're the fucking Trump supporters. Don't be that asshole. Don't be that person, right? Social media, different thing. I have a different purpose to my, my social media. I'm trying to do very specific things, and I'm kind of like, I don't want to spend too much time fighting with people. I know I'm just going to fight with a lot. Um, and keep having those same kind of conversations over and over and over again. But um, in your friends and family, 
that, you know, that blood needs to be a lot thicker than water, right? So, uh, and you need local uh, solidarity. And when there's disasters, you need everyone to care about each other. You, you don't want that division where people are going to start ratting each other's neighbors out because, oh, you're not with the right, you're not the right mindset or whatever, because you're othering these other people. They're just, there's something wrong with them. Uh, they're not really worth supporting. Actually, it'd be kind of good if they were gone anyway. No, you don't want that shit. You don't want that well, shit. Well, um, like some of um some of some of the quotes and stuff things that I've been like reading through, um, like like Malcolm X is known for most of mostly being more militant, but there's some very conciliatory um quotes and speeches that he had also. And one that I've kind of always kind of embodied some of the principles, but I'd never heard it put so well before. And I'm not going to say this correctly, but I'll give you the gist of it. Um, it's basically like, um, don't be so hard on other people and demonize them for the way they view certain things, because there was a certain time you didn't know that either, basically. And it's like, allow people to be able to have growth and don't look at them as the stupid idiot because they don't know what we know or what you know at the time. And, well, yeah, and I, that, I think a lot of us do that to a degree and we need to, that's one thing, you know, I've been really, really working hard to not, you know, even some of these neoliberals, some of them genuinely don't realize they're walking down the wrong path. They, right. They've been told and they have certain trust and loyalty to people, which they just basically shouldn't. I mean, the one of the things which has made me reevaluate that whole approach is conversations I've had with my own mom. It, it's tough trying to um, educate um, people who have such an affinity for certain people. I mean, for instance, when I'm having discussions with my mom about Joe Biden, she is she is not comfortable hearing negative things about him just in general, whether it's true or not. It's like Oh, but you know that uh, um, you know that was a while ago, and I, her mindset is just more of they're trying to do good. It's just that you're kind of misunderstanding it, and it's not as bad as you think. That and I'm like, no, the problem is you you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. You're you're doing exactly what they want. They want yep, you to give yep, them the benefit of the doubt all the time. They're the mortar between the bricks. So. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So like if you ever hear anybody say, um, you know, talk well of the root, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, these are um, these are like the investors for the root. These are the people that own the root. Let me wow. see. Here. Um, the root declared Joe Biden's racist problems to be the responsibility of a black woman to clean up. It's uh, And while while they did that, it's worthwhile to understand just who owns the root. That's a private equity venture called Great Hill Partners. Here's the partners from their website. Do you notice anything? Mm -mm -mm. These people own the root. These 12 wow. men. These 12. Uh, this guy's not not white, it doesn't look like. The other 11 look like they are. Um, uh, maybe there's a shade of something in there. Uh, but I don't see any black people. <laughs> mm -mm. That's, ooh, wow. I, honestly, I, you know what? Maybe I'm gonna throw shade at them. Maybe not. I'm not intentional, but I just gotta say what I'm thinking. There's no freaking way I, as a black man, could go and work for a supposed black newspaper owned by a whole bunch of white people and 
maybe two Latinos. No, 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 no. You're not going to have no black people in charge? Oh, hell no. I'm not going to work for that fucking place. I think one of those guys looks more like he's Indian or Pakistani, but... Um... <laughs> But still, nonetheless, there is not one. There is not one person who I can see who even looks close to passable as Black African American, um, yep. Black Caribbean, Black Latino. I mean, I don't see no kind of African melanin enough to the shading yeah. that I that I'm comfortable with. Yeah, that's uh, so. You got to wonder, you know, what what are they up to? Um, and then I I think. It'd be cool to kind of keep this close to an hour. Um, I think that's a good time. But um, this is one last one I think maybe we can comment on. Okay. So, uh, you know, uh, obviously we've talked a bit about how this can spiral out of control um, as a historical moment, right? Mm -hmm. This this poll uh, says that 37% of unemployed Americans ran out of food in the past month. 37%. So... What's the one thing that causes uh, French Revolution style revolutions? It's right starvation. It's yeah. that's that's the there's a human immediate reaction to when you're not eating and you don't know where your next meal is coming from. There's a trigger in the human brain that kind of um, kind of liquefies poten potential, right, and activates yeah. it. And no longer are you kind of like reasonable. Um, or, or willing to settle or, or, you know, you can talk. No, now it's uh, now they get time to get the broadsword out and start hacking people to pieces. Well, yeah. Right. Well, I, I, I've been talking about this for a while and and I've been talking about this before I had a channel back before I was on Twitter, before I was on Facebook, back even my space days, even before that. Um, when I saw the last recession. I said, if they don't do something, like while Bush was in, I was like, if it keeps going on this trajectory, this is not going to be a recession. This is going to be a depression. It is going to be ugly. But they were able to throw enough pittance and crumbs and, you know, pacify people in the right areas where they were able to get by and be able to use the excuse of it was so bad. So that's why it's taking so long to really dig things out. Well, People have wised up this time a little bit to, to a degree. And I feel like the lessons of last time and people knowing exactly how much more money that was spent than they know, how much of that went to the top like that people were complaining about and how they're doing the exact same thing um, this time around. I mean, even people who who are not who I would never think are normally engaged in politics are caring about, you know, the third and fourth relief bill, you know, which, which, you know, Pelosi is trying to put together. And if you have those people who are paying attention and they're like, well, I need this. It's not coming. This is an emergency. I think it really starts to rip the mass off of these people and um, how ineffective our government actually has been. And hopefully that will start to point the fingers because I tell people it's it's not enough for us to say, well, they're all corrupt. If you're just doing that, that's just like saying all these people are criminals. What type of criminal? We need to know these things. Is it is it a pickpocket? Is it somebody who runs over old ladies with their car? Is it an axe murderer? I mean, we need to know the, the, the severity of what we're dealing with and who we're dealing with. And when they're able to start seeing Pelosi on TV on a regular basis, McConnell, 
on TV on a regular basis, when they're able to start seeing these people, I guarantee you the national media is propping up Cuomo, but I guarantee you inside of New York, that feeling is not the same. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of negative things about how people are talking about Cuomo right now and not the same message you get on MSNBC or CNN. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's a really, um, dangerous and dynamic time. Um, I'm not sure exactly how this is going to work out. Um, but the stupidity of this system, you know, um, this capitalist system, just kind of the inability of, uh, to moderate itself, as I've talked about many times, it's the stupid slime mold, you know, that's on a, on a collective level, like the, the, um, you know, sometimes people hear, uh, talk, hear about the hive mind. Uh, what we really have running our society is not the hive mind. It's the hive slime, right? <laughs> they, they, have, <laughs> they have no ability to control themselves. And no, so no. they're going to make people food insecure when making people food insecure is the dumbest single thing that the oligarchy could do. Right. Well, I look at it like this. We have the most we have the most armed society in the world. And you want those people to go hungry. Uh, I, it's not a wise move in my, in my eyes. And, you, and if you think about it like this, even in the most liberal states like California, which we live in, there are still people who have guns and there are still enough people. If things got bad enough, they're going out, you know, the whole Alex Jones, I'll eat your ass. Those people are going to come out and they're really going to be eating people. Now, what happens when the oligarchy makes sure that the people with guns have food, but the people without guns don't, right? Because you well, know most people that have guns are white people. Yeah, but the problem is that would only, that would be most of the military, that would be most law enforcement, but you still going to have the random, because think about how many, um, uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know be, a lot of Republicans who, who are small business owners who Maybe they own a pipe company or, or maybe they own a hardware store or a gun shop or most of them are independently run. And I don't see them being able to reach out to all those entities to be able to get cash out. Um, um, and I look at also on, on the backside, I feel like they're underestimating the severity of things like they always do. And that's the yep. reason why it's just it's going to fall apart on them. I mean, it's the same thing which happened in, in um, the recession last time around. Everybody can see it coming and you could see all these symptoms and they're like, no, 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 don't don't look at what's over here. Don't don't look at what's behind me. And we're all like, no, we see what's behind you. There's there's a big boulder coming, basically. And it came and it. Every response they had in that first easily, what, six months was abysmal. I mean, it, it, everything they did was, was, was failing. And it was obvious that they had no clue what the hell they were doing. Um, and then I feel uh, when Obama came in, they almost kind of got a little lucky with it because they still continued a lot of the same things, which... Uh, uh, Bernanke and the Bush administration were doing at the end. Um, but some of the things which even Obama did, it, he, he even took a more right-wing approach than, you know, the Bush administration now, was doing at I, the end of that. I, so. I don't think it's that nobody knew what the right thing to do was. I think a lot of people knew what the right thing to do was all the way up at the top. They did. But again, when I talk about the hive slime, um, 
they they collectively uh the things that they do um it's kind of like autonomic nervous system stuff right the heart beats the stomach digests um the the hand recoils from fire right they don't have they don't have any higher thinking as a group because they're all the independent actions they take are all kind of independently justified and motivated by kind of a market system and a greed system and a me, me, me system um, that you can't bend that. You can't turn it, even if you well, want, well, to. you know, well, it's that's like, why I'm the glass. like, please don't do this. Please feed the starving people. Please do it because they're going to kill us all. And they're just not able to do it. There's no amount of well, them of figuring well, it out. It's well, that's what I'm saying. Them. Their brain just can't compute it. But on that's what I'm saying. They don't know how to, Individually, their brains can, but because of the way this humanity is set up, this economy is set up, this government is set up, in a in a combined manner, they they can't have that higher thinking. They're not well, able because, because from their from their right wing way of thinking, they only believe there's a handful of ways where you can handle the economy, and so if you stay in a rigid thinking all the time, it's not even it's not even just that. It's not even just that they can't imagine a different way of doing it. It's because they've engineered the system such that the levers that allow them to moderate have been broken. They broke them all. They removed them. They didn't even install them. They're not. They don't exist. Right. Oh, they, okay. they can't even. They like. They'd, they'd be like, okay, you know, where's the fire? Where's the fire suppression system? Uh we didn't install it because it was wrong. We thought it was wrong to install it. And it was, it, it contradicted our, uh, our capitalist right. order. It cost too much. Right? Yeah. So we didn't put it in. It's not there. We're not allowed to have it. We're not allowed to do anything that doesn't help the, uh, the wealthy, right? We're not allowed to do any of that. We just can't, we, we won't. Right. Even if we yeah. wanted to, we, we can't, we've already, we've already cut off that arm. Right. And that's the that's the situation we're in, and that's why we're fucking doomed. Um, but um, but anyway, that's that's just kind of my <laughs> my, my feelings. Um, but uh, I think this is good. Uh, any anything else? Any final? Um, the only thing I have is um, oh yeah, uh, last week was um, the reason why I was watching a lot of research on Malcolm X. Well, I watched Malcolm X research um, anyway. But um, last week was his birthday, and um, and this weekend was a uh, uh, Black Liberation um, weekend. So it was a lot of things going on, and especially with these recent um, shootings. I guess I'll talk a little bit real briefly because I'm I'm gonna do it on my channel, but it's still gonna be brief um, because I don't know which answers to safely say out loud and there's a lot of things which are rolling around in my head with these shootings and stuff so um i would just ask for those out there in these kind of situations to kind of look at it as a team um um it when you're facing law enforcement and all these other people if you see a person in a in a situation get your cameras out get more people out there the one thing these people hate is they hate an audience. Um, if you're there, I'm not saying get involved. I'm not saying attack the police. I'm not saying pull a gun out and draw him down and citizens arrest or any of that stuff. I'm saying just be there. Make your presence known. If you can do that, I mean, like I watched a video where there's a young man. He's cuffed, hands behind his back. Um, and the officer is just straight throwing uppercuts and, and hooks and everything, just going to town on him. There's a female officer standing behind, like 
she doesn't she she couldn't tell whether she wanted to step in and stop him or if she's going to let him keep wailing on this guy or or what and when you get people who come out there and are vocal they can say hey um ma'am are you going to do anything your partner is assaulting him um if we're able to start doing that situations like the you know Ahmad Bradbury I mean Arbery even if I mean, I'm not saying that anything could have been necessarily different, but if there's situations where you see a situation where a young man's jogging and he's being cornered off by a bunch of cops, you know, get your camera out, you know, call the police, you know, yell over there. If they look like they have weapons, of course, stay at a safe distance. But, you know, yell, hey, what the hell are you doing? You know, get attention on these things. And we can that's the only thing I can think of without saying anything because my anger makes me want to say or advise people to do other things. And I'm not going to be irresponsible and just blow off at the, uh, at the mouth. But if we can just start, you know, being more vigilant and watching out for each other, and it's not necessarily even just if it's um, police violence between a black person or a Latino person, if it's one of our gay and lesbian brothers and sisters, if it's a white brother and sisters, if it's, anybody anybody that you see that's being mistreated by authority figures law enforcement you know we need to team up and try to help each other because they're against us and we're all we have yeah no that's that's right um we gotta we gotta find a way to be united and and have each other's backs uh, all together in solidarity um and uh creating a any kind of document um video documentation letting them know they're being videotaped. I know that has its own risks, but it, I think I think it's reasonable. Um, I feel like it's within risk. the law. I feel like it's within the law, and it's something where if a police officer decided to, to attack you, you have grounds to be able to say that you're pushing back in a nonviolent way right. and you're not being threatening. And you probably Whereas, have lost it anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're dead, if they kill you or something, I mean, that's not going to help, but the amount of times they've killed people who film them is pretty small. I think, um, fortunately, um, destroying people's phones and stuff is not as small. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, this has been good. Uh, good talking with you. I'm, I'm uh, happy to be feeling a little better about the apocalypse. Um, uh, this has been the annihilation cage with Marcus J. Cage and Al Elkham. Uh, you can find him here on Twitter at real Marcus J. Cage. And you can find me there at Nell Elkham. Please uh, follow us. Let us know what you think. Um, uh, I'm going to try to have this up as a, as a podcast soon. I, uh, I set up the Anchor FM. And um, uh, I'm not sure if it'll live there forever. Um, but um, uh, that should give people another way to, to, to access it, you know, which is good. And, uh, you know, if, if you're there and you like it, share it. Uh, that's the best thing you can do to help us right now. Especially because, um, you know, asking for a lot of money right now is especially for me is probably a douchey thing to do. So whatever. Although yeah, usually yeah, what I'm asking, what I'm asking, I'm asking rich people, if you're rich, give us money. If you're rich, give yeah. us money. If you're not rich, well, don't give us it's, money. Especially, especially the shares. I've, I've noticed that, you know, on, on my channel and I've talked to a couple of other, you know, YouTubers and we have been getting a little bit of a, I guess a little bit of a block, a little, you know, a little shadow blocking going on. So sharing, um, Hitting those thumbs up buttons, you know, it helps with the algorithm and it helps fight against that. So, you know, anything you can do to help us, please do it. <laughs>
Absolutely. And uh, you guys do some good out there. And we'll catch you next time. All right.